0: Hello, everybody! Thanks for coming to today's episode of Adventures in Angular. I am Aaron Frost, the host, uh, the CEO of Hero Devs, and we've got today on our panel Shai Resnick. Hello, everyone! I'm Shai Resnick from TestAngular.com and Hireos.io,
1: the place you go to see funny picture of Shai Resnick teaching Angular.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, today on our panel, we've got the lovely Deborah Carada. And Deborah, introduce yourself.
2: Hey, my name's Deborah Carada. I'm a software developer. I also um, do speaking, and I'm a Pluralsight author, primarily doing uh, C sharp and Angular courses.
3: Cool. This episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give you full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors.
0: Yeah, I mean, everyone kind of everyone's gonna know Deborah. Deborah is probably one of the more well-known speakers in the community, so I'm excited. So Deborah, today I'm gonna let you introduce the topic because it's kind of it's something that you're kind of really owning right now. So what's the topic today?
2: We're going to talk some more about RxJS and more specifically uh, reactive development. It's uh, kind of a next step in using RxJS for state management and for improving your code cleanliness. Uh, It makes it a lot easier to watch for uh, changes in your application, and it makes it cleaner to merge streams. When we frequently think of um, reactive extensions We're getting data. So we call to a server, and we get back an observable, and we subscribe to that observable to get our data, and then we're done with RxJS. Um, but if we really use RxJS and observables uh, as we possibly could, taking it up another notch, so to speak, we could actually leverage its features uh, much more thoroughly than uh, I think a lot of us do right now. How? How do we do that? I want to do that. How do we do that? Well, the first thing is, the first important thing is, is to keep the data in an observable. So instead of uh, subscribing right away in the component, we can leave the data actually in an observable stream all the way down to the template. So the first step is changing our templates to use more async pipes so that we're using that observable all the way uh, into the UI. The second step for that is to make our services more declarative. So instead of having methods like our get products method or our get customers method or our get user method, we simply have observables in our services. So we would have a products observable that holds the reference to our observable stream. And then we can pass that reference to the component code and use it there. Uh, And as soon as we do that, we've opened up a whole other world of uh, programming. We can easily merge our streams so we could show a UI with a customer and their overdue invoices by merging the customer stream with uh, the invoicing stream. We can um, merge streams to keep uh, track of actions. So we could set up some kind of flag that turns on and off. And if we merge that with our observable, we can have our whole observable react to it being turned on or turned off. Uh, so by keeping our data in observables and not in arrays or um, data structures of some kind, we, we are opening our, our world up uh, to a much more uh, reactive development approach.
0: So a lot of people have said that putting state just in subjects can get confusing and becomes kind of a nightmare to manage some people have said this so how do you or what are you doing to kind of make it like reasonable and and something that uh isn't mayhem to kind of maintain
2: in my services i try to really limit how many um subjects that i have if you are just getting product data and invoicing data and you know just general data retrieval you don't need subjects for any of that you can just get the observable from the um, HTTP get and just work with it at that point. The only time you need an observable on something is if you're tracking changes or um, actions or events on those things. So, say, for example, you have a UI where on the left of the screen, you've got a list of stuff and on the right of the screen, it's the detail based on what you've clicked on on the left. Well, somehow you need to keep track uh, of the state of which one is being clicked on so that you could create a subject for. So you would have a, you know, last clicked item subject or whatever you would want to call it. And that then uh, makes sure that your observables react appropriately to which thing that they clicked on. But you don't need absolutely every bit of your data defined as a subject you can leave it in the observable that you get from your HTTP GET. Okay.
1: But, but I have, a, I have a, a question about that, if you can hear me, if the alien went, went away. So using observables and subjects and all that requires me uh, to know about stuff like uh, cold and hot observables and wh- what's the difference. And like it requires a lot of overhead learning to know when not to mess something up. So um, how do you like manage that complexity, let's say?
2: The learning part or the actual? The fact
1: that I need to do that while I'm having a deadline to next week to complete something. And now I usually refer to, okay, let's check Stack Overflow and copy paste from there. And... How do I, like, you know, maybe handle the complexity of what, like, or maybe the, the frustration of not knowing exactly what is happening behind, like, this, the whole, this whole construction of subjects and merging stuff and, you know, all that stuff. Because this is the criticism I hear a lot and I have as well for something that should, that, that, that compared to using a service with a method and just getting the data uh, allows me. So maybe how to bring them closer to each other, I don't know, in terms of like uh, reducing the complexity or finding a bridge between the two approaches.
2: Okay, a couple of things there. Um, Yeah, first of all, um, it is very possible to become reactive um, and to implement more reactive technologies in a stepwise manner. So if you need to have it done tomorrow, you use the pattern that you know today and you create your get products method and you're happy. Um, But then for version 0.1, they want also uh, the overdue invoices for that customer to show up. So at that point, you might want to think to yourself, well, Maybe I could manage this better if I um, made it more reactive. Unlike something like NGRX that requires a huge amount of structure, you can very easily do reactive development just with little pieces. So you could just decide in one of your services, just in your customer service, you're going to get rid of your get customer method and replace it with a customer's dollar um, observable, and you can slowly add to it. The other thing that um, I know several of us are doing, and Shai, I think you are, I know I am, and I think there are several other people doing it too, is we're trying to put out there some good patterns so that once people do are exposed to these patterns, then they can more quickly apply them. Like, what is the pattern if I want to just get data what 's a pa- uh, in a more reactive way what 's the pattern if I want to merge two streams what 's a pattern if I need to be watching for uh, a change to a specific flag what 's the pattern if I want to um, map my uh, retrieved data into a different shape so that we would have these pre-existing patterns that as we, you know, you and I and the community continue to make these patterns more known, it will be much easier for uh, Angular developers to start seeing these patterns more often and start applying them more often. But the more that we can provide uh, relatively straightforward patterns and uh, instruction on what these things mean, with any look at all, I'm um, hoping to uh, have an Angular, I mean, uh, um RxJS uh, course on Pluralsight that spends some time first going through the terms. You know, again, what is a subject? What is an observable? What's an observer? I know what an observer was confused me for the longest time when I was first starting out because you know, you sort of read different things and it had different definitions. So, you know, I'm trying to start by the definitions of all of those things and then going into patterns, you know, how do you do X in a more reactive development way to kind of put those patterns out there and to make it hopefully easier for people to pick up on them and and use them in their own development. But you're doing the same thing, right, Shai? Yeah, I,
1: I agree. Uh, I, I was about to ask you where could I found those find those patterns that you're talking about because I couldn't find them uh, about like uh, RxJS and uh, so for exa- for example, I like to talk about because you have experience with with this. I'm trying again. I'm trying to represent the people that are used to non reactive code, and I I want to to know why should I move to a more reactive or and when should I move? Like how to identify the place? Like you said, not not everything needs to be uh, reactive. So how do I know when I need to pull this tool out of the toolbox? And also, uh, what am I going into? Like what are the downsides? For example, uh, everything... Looked fine until I realized that if I'm using the async pipe to extract like uh, multiple uh, values out of the same observable data, uh, all of a sudden it will subscribe uh, multiple times, right, to the same observable. And the suggestion, the pattern that I saw to solve this uh, thing was well, just create another dumb component and pass the you know just the Extracted value to it, and then I started asking myself, why do I need to now start creating multiple components, unnecessary components, uh, just to avoid the limitation of async pipe? Okay, and the other way to do that is maybe use the share function, which is very elusive to me, without knowing like what the difference between cold and hot. It it was a lot of investigation to do in order to do like a simple thing that I can do with non-reactive uh, code. So I'm looking for these answers, like when should I pull this tool out and how? what are the downsides and how to ev- maybe uh, avoid them or, I don't know, maybe you know better patterns than what I just said.
2: Uh, Deborah. So when you use the async type, do you use the as? No,
0: mm-hmm. so she's asking can you. Do you use like items async pipe as items? Do you use the as syntax? You
1: mean when I uh, when I can refer like to the to so that that I need to wrap my uh, my template right with something like a div or something like that?
0: Yeah and to then an ngif. Uh... Yeah. Or an yeah, so ng container. You don't have to do a div, you could do an ng container.
1: That's that that, uh, that solves the multiple subscription
2: uh, in one scenario, yes. yeah.
0: Okay, cool. So that, 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 this is a
1: valid answer. Cool, thanks.
2: Yeah. So, well, to go th- back to the larger question, though, of, um, you know, like when should you start doing this? Um, I find that if you're doing, you know, very simple data retrieval display, you don't really need it because your streams aren't going to do anything. But as soon as you want to start doing something with your streams, So, as soon as you want to start merging it with other streams, you know, you have a UI that displays both customers and invoices. You want to merge those together for a display. Having it be more reactive is very useful. Or if you, um, you, (laughs) excuse me, frequently real applications, have some kind of reactivity. You know, the user picks something and you need something else to happen. So as soon as you add that kind of interactiveness with the user, um, that's another example of when you wanna move to a reactive development style um, because it can automatically um, notify your UI that something has changed without you having to write the code to you know, send notifications or anything because your observable will automatically um, handle the notifications and it will automatically update your UI based on what the, uh, you know, whatever your observable code would be doing. The only downside of it is, is it is a little bit, it does require, as you said, a little bit more knowledge of um, observables. Especially the observable operators, and it's relatively easy to get overwhelmed. You know, there's well over a hundred of them, and to try to figure out which one you should use for what, um, then it kind of comes back to patterns again. So, yeah. if I want to do this kind of thing, I, I normally should use this kind of operator or something like that.
0: I think that it's over a million now, is the number. <laughs> over.
1: Yeah, last time I checked, it it was million and one.
0: Million and one, yeah. They celebrated. They had uh, they had cake. <laughs> yeah, Ben Lesh
1: in his home celebrated yeah, one million. Yeah,
0: it's uh, one million operators. That <laughs> cake. Yeah. Exactly. Share
1: a sweet share. Yeah, exactly. Sweet share was the one million.
0: So I think. I think that a lot of Angular developers, especially the ones coming from Angular JS, they really liked the pattern that Shai mentioned, where you know you call a service that gets a product service to get products, and you say product service products, and then that returns a promise with products in it. You know, and I think that's a pattern that is comfortable, and I think it works. And then there's times where maybe multiple people need the the same products, and And pretty quickly, that pattern starts to fall and because we need a place to put those products where everyone can get them. And to try and answer Shai's question of what are you looking for to start using a more RX-based state thing, I think that might be an area where you have two pieces that want the same list of products or items. Let's just call them items. And you need to be able to share them in like a, a single public publication, but multiple subscribers scenario, and in, in a good pub sub. So, I think those are kind of what I look for. What you don't want is for both of them to call the server. And with RxJS, it's 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 really just a few lines of code to say, "All right, anyone who subscribes to this will get these items, but if ten people subscribe, we'll only call it one time." You know, like so. I think there's. Certain scenarios where both of those could make sense to kind of, and again, I'm answering Shai's question from like 10 minutes ago. So, so yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: that makes but, sense. That's an important scenario. Yeah.
0: But
1: let's talk about this example, uh, Deborah, that, that you talked about. Like, let's say you have customers and you have invoices. Okay. Some time ago, we talked about the pattern of using just uh, saving stuff on a service, okay, as data not in an observable, but just as a property, okay? And using that and just uh, having the service inside uh, the component uh, as a a getter property, like referencing something from the service on the component. And the downside of that, and we had a Twitter discussion about it, and the downside, the only downside was well, when you have like lots and lots of components on, the pa- on your page, then you might run into performance issues. But we're talking about like I did a test with like, a, I don't know, 1,000 items on a page and I didn't experience any performance issues. But when I set it up to 10,000, I definitely uh, experienced uh, performance issues. But when I when I'm looking at an app which with uh, I don't know twenty components, okay, one is a list, one is a and and inside there like one hundred component max, okay, in one page, let's say, okay, displaying a list of people and choosing one and seeing his details or her details and stuff like that. Uh, What is the performance hit there, and should I use Rx? For the reactivity uh, performance boost, updating the changes just you know on like on specific changes and not on every change detection cycle. Or could I use a simpler pattern, which is just you know referencing the property on the on the service and having it automatically being updated because it's a getter, okay, property on the component, which keep referencing the same property on the service. And that should be sufficient enough, I believe. And if, if I need to fetch more stuff, like an invoice, I can still do it with promises, let's say, and have the combined data. I don't know, something like that. So I'm trying to figure out if that's another decision point I need to make, like when I have like, performance-heavy page, then maybe I should use it. Or you're saying just use it in every, like as a pattern, whenever you need something reactive. Because I can achieve this reactivity, let's say, not in a very reactive way, but a sort of reactive way where I just like point to a property on a service and just displaying that. And this is my equivalent to using Observable.
0: Yeah, Um, but it's not... It's not, you're still going to depend on the default change detection strategy. So it's still, it's still not going to be as performant. And, and I, and to your point with the default change detection strategy, you were able to put, you know, a thousand items on the page and still have like no visible. And I saw your demo on StackBlitz. There was no, that I could tell visible slowdown. But when you did 10,000, you could start to see the blowback from having 10,000 things go through change detection. Yes. So here's kind of my take on this. At first, this wasn't always my take, but I think it's my take now. Um, I think people should be trying to build their apps without the default change detection strategy. I think we should try to be reactive as much as possible. And... There's scenarios where you could have a couple non-reactive components that use the default change detection cycle, and over time, you know, and, and maybe that's only a slight, immeasurable, like invisible. Like it's so fast that you couldn't perceive the, the the performance. But over time, those micro performance um, deoptimizations, over time, they can turn into a macro deoptimization where all of a sudden now you, we do have a visual uh, differentiator of of a bunch of a bunch of these things all together causing our change detection cycle to go crazy and certainly you know a lot of the listeners certainly I've worked on projects that have a 5 6 year life cycle you know shelf life and you start throwing you know micro optimizations on a product like that and you get 4 or 5 years in and not only is your rewrite really expensive at that point but to track down all the small uh, optimizations is gonna be really, really tough. And so I think it's important for web developers to constantly embrace micro-optimizations as long as they don't have like crazy amounts of extra code. Like if you're gonna write something that's 10 times more complex to get a micro-optimization, well, now you, now you have to talk about the optimization of does it scale for maintenance? Can, can I actually maintain this thing? And,
1: but this is this is my point. Like, let's say, okay, I get your point. And for for example, lazy loading. Okay, so lazy loading, you don't start usually your app lazy loading everything. But when you get maybe to a place where your bundle size is uh, increased, then you start like, okay, I I should like you know just take this part and lazy load this part or something like that. And the the difference there is that it's really easy to introduce lazy loading you just like you know do a quick switch and all of a sudden well, you just lazy loaded a part
0: it's tough uh, to just lazy load though cuz um, if you don't structure if you don't structure everything correctly if you're
1: using if you're using my routing pattern <laughs> then it's <laughs> it's fairly wow. Fairly easy. Yeah, but, but this, uh, this
0: whole conversation, if, if, if everyone uses my pattern for Rx, then none of these, <laughs> none of these conversations even matter.
1: So. Okay, but not exactly because you said, like Deborah said it, okay, you need to know the extra stuff in order to do the micro optimizations. So is it worth the, the learning curve? And this is the discussion. I'm not saying it's not, but yeah. I'm just asking.
0: You know? So... Shy is saying it's not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, uh, I personally think that it is worth it. But, and you know, I'll probably die on this hill. You know. Deborah, what, what do you think?
2: Well, um, I talk to a lot of beginners because I have a... Um, Angular Getting Started course on Pluralsight. So I talk to lots and lots and lots of beginners. And a lot of beginners have been able to actually complete and publish and deploy Angular applications with only what they've learned in a beginner Angular course. And I think that that's fine and that's a fine pattern. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. At some point in time, though, your application is going to get complicated and you can attack that complexity by continuing with the patterns that you know and just trying to scale them which you know then you run into all sorts of other kinds of issues or complexities or kind of messy code or you can you know start learning more intermediate level patterns like what we're talking about here And then, if it gets to some point of complexity, then you might want to go into your heavy duty enterprise, you know, 200 developer team kind of solution, which would be NGRX. Um, So, I think it depends not only on where you are. (laughs) Uh,
1: Aaron did the sound.
2: (laughs) So, I think it depends a little bit on where you are on your. Angular journey, in addition to the complexity of your application, um, in addition to you know, how many people are on your team. Because if you have a lot of people coding on the same app, the more you can be following an agreed upon set of patterns, the easier the code will be to maintain over time.
3: Hey, are you working on a complex enterprise Angular application? Angular Bootcamp is an intensive three-day workshop class to learn the basics of Angular through sophisticated techniques for real-world applications. They update the class regularly for the most current Angular, and a lot of the curriculum is also relevant to older versions. Or you can go beyond the three-day class with help from Oasis Digital, the team behind Angular Bootcamp. They can assist your team or launch your project, including scalability, data flow, state management, service architecture, full-stack product design, and a ton more or you can contact them for a private class at your location or attend public classes in cities around the U.S. and occasionally in Europe. Online live instructor training is also available at angularbootcamp.com.
1: In practical terms, now, okay, let's say I started with using the non-reactive way, patterns, and now all of a sudden I run into this issue. What do we say is like the must-learn uh, concepts, that I, as a non-reactive developer, need to learn in order to to get a hold of this whole reactive uh, thinking. Okay, like like I mentioned, like hot and cold and stuff like that. But what, like you know, the concepts that, that you think are the are the most crucial to
2: learn? Um, I think. Well, the first thing is the async pipe because you have to. Um, you don't have to, but it makes the. Pattern complete to know how to do that for your user interface so that your UI can also make use of these observables that you're going to have. Um, and then the second thing is to get a handle on what's called the higher order um, observables. And I know, Shai, you've done a lot of work on trying to train people on those the XX map ones, uh, merge map, concat map, switch map. What's the fourth one? I don't one? know what
1: you're talking about. This was my friend, reactive teacher, and it wasn't me.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Anyway, um, so to kind of get a handle on, on those. And though that alone um, and the idea of uh, the concept of, of um, more declarative programming so that you're going to declare a variable in your service instead of a method – I think those three things will will get you to a good point. And that is completely not talking about subject and behavior subject. That would sort of be the fourth thing. So as soon as you need to do something more reactive, then you need to learn about subject and behavior subject, what they do for you and why why you need them. So to me, the the first three first, and then, you know, relatively shortly after that, you're going to realize you want. To respond, you want your observables to respond to something, and that's when you need to to learn the subject and behavior subject. And again, I'm um, I'm hoping to convince Pluralsight that um, uh, this is something that's um, really useful, uh, and that's what I plan on on covering in there, taking it um, step by step through through each of these and then actually showing, okay, here's our code using get product. How do we make this code the product's dollar instead? Um, So actually walking through uh, to show what that involves and it's amazing how few little steps will take you from beginner pattern to reactive development pattern and you can get there pretty quickly. Yeah, it's so, funny.
1: You need to convince them. It's crazy not to do that course. Yeah. Like
0: it is crazy. So I think I I as I listened to Deborah give her answer on hey the shy's question of hey what where do you start what should I start learning I I'm agreeing with Deborah. I'm going to use different words um, than she did. I think that the she said the async pipe and for me the async pipe is the answer to how do I stop linking memory with subscriptions. And so I think, I think a really f- important first step is to show the danger of observables, specifically subscribing, and let people see, let them have the aha moment of, oh, I've leaked memory a lot. And then show them, hey, that's what the async pipe is for. And then they're like, okay, cool. So I just got to do the async pipe, okay? Now they're reactive. They're, their code's getting more reactive without having to adopt any new patterns they're still able to to call a service to get products and then they just put that into their ui with async pipe but then you need to under like once they understand that hack to get around subscriptions then they're going to want to learn about derivative state like state that isn't actually in an observable but it's it's derived from two other observables you know what i'm saying like and how to get those two things combining and streaming and restreaming anytime either one of them changes. And so I don't, I think that I've sat with a couple of my clients, and again, sorry for giving such a long answer to Shai's question. And I was sitting with one of my clients, I was certain this person was never gonna understand what I was teaching. I was like, no, this, this dude is so out of his league. And I sat down with a, a component and I tried to explain how crazy it was to try and manage this without streams. And we, we talked it through. And then I said, watch what happens when we add a stream in here or two or three streams. And after we walked through it, it took about 10 minutes. Like I watched his face have this, he glazed over and was like, dude, I think I just got it. And then he described back to me the benefits. I was like, yeah, actually. And I was blown away. I was like, oh, he did get it. Like, that's crazy. So then I gave this talk at a meetup and I watched like a third of the room kind of have the same exact re- reaction, like, I get it. Like, that makes sense why this is so amazing and why Frost is telling me to learn Rx and really embrace this. And I kind of want to go back to something that Deborah said, which is Deborah said she's talked to a lot of these entry-level or beginner Angular programmers who they're able to actually make not an insignificant amount of progress without embracing this they're able to go a long ways and all they've had is an intro course my complaint about that is that the intro course didn't teach them rx and so like i'm giving a two-day workshop at ng confident a few weeks and and 25 percent of the class is going to be like the last the last half a day is going to be rxjs because i feel like a lot of the the intro course teachers in sense angular the new angular you know 2 plus has been released i feel like most of the teachers have done a disservice to the community by skipping the intro of the education on rxjs and i think that that needs to be fixed going forward because it is a differentiator and it, it is what makes angular the fastest framework on on the internet it, like without rx I think Angular is just as fast as anything else. I think it's as fast as React and Vue can be. But when you, when you bring in RxJS and you turn off the, the default change detection, Angular is the fastest framework on the internet. And so for me, Rx is not something that we can afford to not teach people when they're learning Angular. So sorry for giving such a long answer to that question.
2: Yeah. Well, I, I agree with that to a point. One of the things that... It's important to be cognizant of is just the number of things one has to learn. And with Angular, you know, you've got routing, you've got forms, you've got uh, components and templates and styles. And to then immediately throw at them all of the RxJS stuff might be a little too much. And I guess it depends on what kind of training that you're doing. If you're doing a two day or a week long intro, but if like my course is only like four hours or something. Um, I just wrote up some material on just introducing the Angular terms and I timed it out at 45 minutes. 45 minutes just to cover the terms and concepts before going into any of the reactive development techniques. So I think that uh, as much as I agree I'm also cognizant of not overloading people and maybe it's a good advanced beginner. <laughs> uh,
1: that's, that, that's, a, that's a good point. By the way, this is where my criticism comes from because I'm trying to view it from an empathetic uh, point of view or from a teacher's po- point of view, uh, like you guys, um, because you always think about like not overloading. That's why... When I look at the at Vue.js or at uh, React with MobX, for example, I like the fact that they are just using properties and they change them, and the the changes are reactive, and everything works, and it's very easy, and it's not it's not completely different from the way the people are used to do stuff, like assigning variables and and all that stuff. Uh, compared to the Rx way, which is, like you said, uh, b- uh, doing something more declarative, like a, a subject on on a service which I need uh, to do to call next uh, on, and to to observe it or subscribe to it, and to know about the unsubscribe and the memory leakage and uh, all the like all all this other another world entirely in order to do the same thing I could do uh, with the non-react. This is where my, like, I wish uh, that we could somehow get the benefits without, the, and without learning this new world of concepts. Um, and because, because I feel like merging and string, I, I would love to see your lecture about it because I think i one of the people who need to see it in order to get it. Uh, like your client, because I didn't get it. Uh, because the, the, the examples, the only examples that I show, I saw that I, I would like to maybe merge stuff together and a few streams and all that stuff were uh stuff uh, like applications with push notifications, like uh, you know, stock apps and you know, stuff, stuff like that, and not the traditional rest uh, apps. So that's
0: yeah, this example I have is a very traditional REST app. And when you build it without Rx, it takes a significant amount more code. And it's, it's for me, it's very difficult to reason about because when, a th- when something gets clicked, I have to go update several things rather than just updating the one thing that just mattered. And letting, mm-hmm. every, letting all the streams re emit and recompute the outcome data. And so it's something that I, I'm not disagreeing with you, though, Shy, even though it sounds like I'm. I think that when I pitch this kind of idea, I pitch it as what makes a good developer in Angular a great developer is Rx. And I'm certainly, I feel like these topics are something that are very hard for people just learning Angular, but I'm I'm trying to push back on the just skip Rx for now mentality when people are learning Angular because I wrote a lot of code and people every day are writing a lot of code that they're getting angry about because we're not teaching them to do it the way that, hey, once you're smart enough, I'm going to tell you to do it a different way. And so I think, I think there's a lot of anger and I wish people would have taught me this sooner type feelings. And so I'm going to push back on the, don't teach them that yet mentality. Cause I feel like we need to give them the tools. And if they're like, uh, you just blew my brain up. Let's not do that. I'm going to go back into the other way. That's fine. But there are some people who will get it and they'll be better because of it. So I'm, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm, I'm also saying it it might still work, you know, so.
2: Well, let, let me ask you this. Um, how important do you think it is now that I just said that I have 45 minutes of content on, this is a subscriber, this is an observer, this is an observable, this is what they mean, this is what they do. How important do you think that is? Do you think that we could just skip that and jump right into just here is the pattern, this is how you code it. You don't really need to understand How, you know, that a subscriber has three methods and that you're passing the subscriber to the, or not a subscriber, an observer has three methods and you pass the observer into the subscribe and blah, 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 blah. You need to know all of that or should we just dump the whole terms and techniques thing and jump right into the pattern?
0: Personally, and I could be wrong and there's a whole swarm of people that are going to probably disagree with this, but. I've never written an observer and I've been doing angular reactive programming for quite a while. I've, I've wanted to, I've had a couple of times where I said I should write this and give it away to the community, but then I just get lazy and I just combine a couple operators and I'm good. So I don't think it matters to teach them what an observer is. I, I think you build on what they already know, which is, Hey, you know, dot then, right? And they're like, yeah, I know dot then that's for promises. it? well, this is the subscribe. It's kind of the same thing. It's a little bit different. Let me teach you the differences, you know, and, and kind of start from there. And
2: That I do cover in my beginner course because we do not, I don't have promises in my course. I do use RxJS, but just the old pattern way of get customers yeah. subscribe.
0: Yeah, I, I certainly am not trying to say, oy, rewrite your course. I just, um,
2: <laughs>
0: I'm just, I just don't think that in order to peel back the layer of being reactive, I don't think we need to introduce everything. Like, hey, this is an observer. This is the subscriber pattern. Every time you subscribe, you need to also pass the error and complete callback. Like, I think to get them started, you just teach them, hey, do this. Don't call subscribe. Pass it to the async pipe. Everyone will
1: pass. need need to know basis.
0: Well. Anyone who's ever taught a one or two day training on Angular, there's way, there's like, there's like 20 days worth of content in Angular. So the whole course is need to know basis. Like, I'll give you another example. How many ways can I add a class to an element in Angular? There's like 10, right? But when I'm teaching the class on Angular, the intro, I teach two. Why? Why? Because you really only need two and some of the ten are anti-patterns anyway. But how many are there? Ten. And so, it's like the whole thing is kind of a need-to-know basis. Like, every every training is a need to know how much can I fit in this time frame, how much matters, you know, what's the really important nuggets anyway. So, so yeah. Yeah.
1: I feel you and I, I agree. I totally agree. I think need-to-know basis is the way to teach people new stuff. I just feel that what Deborah is saying is that, and what you are saying. If I'm merging it together, <laughs> you get the pun. Anyway, <laughs> um, if I <laughs>
0: don't, you switch I'm, what I'm saying now.
1: Yeah, I'm switching what you're saying. So, so let's say, let's say that you're teaching RX, but you're teaching just the essentials, uh, just to make. But but that's what I found hard. Like I try to do it as well. And and listen, to do the, like, only a talk about SwitchMap, it took us, like, three months to get, like, you know, just one operator. Yeah,
0: dog, but you put on a play. You didn't do a talk on map.
1: But you... it, was, it was necessary to remember what it does. And, and, that's, and that leads me to another question, which is about deb- debuggability, if that's a real word. Like, how is your debugging experience uh, is with, with, with Rx? Like, do you find it good, bad, cool, easy? Uh, what do you say about that?
0: Are you asking me or Deborah? Both. I think that it's easier to use than... Like, a lot of people will compare state with Rx to state with NGRx, where they have the, the, the Redux dev tools. I think it's easier to... Debug without the Redux Dev Tools, but there's other people who they name their kids Redux Dev Tools because they like the Redux Dev Tools so much. <laughs> and so it's I think it's there's some preference in there. For me, I think it's it's adds easier. It's much much easier than writing the code without Rx. And um, that's not a knock on NgRx because NgRx is Rx. And so um, it's much easier to debug than without Rx, in my opinion. But um, if we're going to compare it to NGRX, that's a different conversation. So,
2: I uh, gave a presentation on NGRX a while back and kind of got to the end and showed the uh, debug tools. And I just got an amazing amount of feedback from the audience like, oh my god, we're converting to NGRX now just to get the developer tools. So it would be really nice if there was such a thing just for RxJS because they are a little difficult to debug. I mean, one of the simple things I just do is I will... Tap? Tap
0: with the console log?
2: Oh, no. Yeah, that of course. But um, I will define the um, type of the return variable on the statement you know i know it will tell you that you shouldn't have that but i do it to ensure that what i end up with is what i'm expecting so i don't end up with an observable observable of products array that i end up with an actual observable of products array that i've correctly merge mapped it instead of mapped it or whatever i needed to have done to get it to be the right type and, who and then says, i'll sometimes delete who, it but
0: who says that's not good i because i didn't know well,
2: that if you run lint, most of the linters will tell you that your variable declaration is not required um, because it can be inferred.
0: Lint. Lint. Yeah. That's cute.
2: Lint and me have <laughs> anyway, a
0: relationship.
2: So I will either, uh, you know, specify the type I'm expecting or just keep hovering over, you know, my dollar variable and say, Oh, am I getting, whoops, no, I'm getting some weird thing that doesn't look right. I must have something wrong. But, I mean, that's not a real good way to debug something. Um, <laughs> it would be nice if we had nicer tools. And I think that's something that Ben has talked about. I don't know if anyone's made any progress, though.
1: That's my question, because, like, you know, stepping into stuff in a more uh, in a non-reactive way, uh, you know, a way of coding is, uh, I don't know, maybe more, like, Maybe easier. I don't know, maybe. Uh then well, into callbacks. But
2: yeah. If you just think of something like mergemap, I mean merge map is a black box. So you put yeah. something in and you get something out, but you have no clue at all what's happening in the inside. And so and you that don't
1: scares the shit out of me and other people. Right.
2: <laughs> that's why so that's that why nice.
1: the, uh, the talk because of that. Right. Yeah. I agree. So that's, that's, that's the thing. I, I believe a prediction here, okay? When Ivy uh, will kick in and will get the ability to render each component using a render function or something like that, then we might, might see other reactive patterns uh, that might be different to Rx. Again, we could use Mobix more easily, for example, with Angular, if we have a render function inside of a component, and we're not counting on uh, the angular change injection to do the rendering and stuff like that. But that's, that's that's a, 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 I don't know, a prediction that we might see another reactive pattern, which does not necessarily include RxJS and maybe more, I don't know, uh, closer to the way we do stuff in a non-RxJS way. But uh, just as a side note, yeah
0: yeah yeah all right. Uh, I'm going to wrap it up. We've been on for about an hour, so um, I'm going to go ahead and wrap. Does anyone have any closing ideas though before we, 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 uh, we cut it off?
2: Uh, I would just suggest people know uh, give these um, things a try, and if they want to get some ideas for these patterns, there are several talks at NGconf coming up that will be recorded and posted to yeah. kind of kit get people started and with any luck I will have a plural site course on the topic at some point in the future.
0: Yeah. I uh additionally I did a twitch the other day. Um yep. you go to Twitch, I'm Frosty Dev and there's a video on there where I kind of walked through this pattern that Deborah is talking about and um a lot of good participation. There was a lot of um I don't know learning I think that happened and and questions and answers that happened. And so if you really want to go check it out, it was a nice, it was long, but I mean, it, it was two hours, but there was a lot of, a lot of content and it was actually surprisingly small amount of content, just a lot of really good Q and A that happened along the way. And a lot, I had a lot of time to just, to explain the thought process. So head over to the Twitch and uh, check that out too. Put, yeah, the sh- put the link in the show notes. Yeah, I'll get, I'll get a, a link in the show notes to, to head over to the Twitch. So, does anyone want to go ahead and shy? Do you have some picks you want to kick us off with, or should I go ahead and kick it off?
1: Yes, yes, I have. I have a few. Uh, one is the, my article about switch map and merge map and concat map and exhaust map on uh, Medium. I will put a link privately to you, Aaron, and then you, because I'm in my car, uh, and you'll put it in the show notes. And uh, the second thing is the RxJS conference in Las Vegas that someone is uh, put, uh, putting together. Uh, I don't know anything about that, Frosty, but uh, it sounds like a, an, a, an amazing idea. So finally, you know, we'll have a conference about only RxJS and we could solve this uh, issue of like, uh, what are the patterns we should use and advanced techniques and stuff like that. Yeah. And do you have a link to the meetup talk that you talked about that you show what yeah. you showed to your
0: clients? I, I'm going to put it into the meetup I didn't record, but I do have the Twitch. And it was, it was not the same thing I talked to my clients because I'm trying to, to say that because it's a marketable piece of content. But I do have the Twitch where I talked about something very similar, very simple. Deborah was there. She can attest to just how I tried to break it down to like the least common level of the problem. and I think it was broken down pretty well. So, um,
2: yeah, I thought it came out well.
0: So I'll put, I'll put that in the show notes. Um, by the time, by the time it's done, um, everyone will be able to see that. So I'll, I'll put that in the show notes though, shy. Um, reactive. A- okay. Thanks. Okay. I'm actually pasting that into the show notes now. So head over to the show notes to get that everybody. I'm going to do a pick. I'm also going to pick RXJS live. That's the name of our conference in Vegas. Uh, if you're if you're wondering, hey, what are other people doing with observables? I'm not sure if I want to sink time into it. If Angular's the only one doing it, well, come to RxJS Live. You're going to see what the Vue community, the React community, the Node community, the RxJS team, what what is the community at large, the Angular community, what are we doing with with RxJS? It's going to be an all RxJS conference for two days in San City. It's going to be a lot of fun. So um, I I would encourage everyone to go check it out. The tickets are ridiculously well priced um, but it's going to be a lot of fun we've already got almost the entire RxJS core team committed to come talk and um, it's going to be a really really cool event really cool first time event so. so head over to that that's going to be my pick for the day is RxJS live and if, you're, if you want to go check out the website it's just rxjs.live so. and the, the CFP is open and so are the early bird tickets so head over there and check it out Deborah, do you have some picks?
2: I would just like to uh, direct people to the newly updated RxJS docs, which now that I just said that, I should have been looking up the link. I think it's just rxjs.dev. Yeah, that's it. Yep, that is it. So rxjs.dev, it's been completely updated. It's very helpful. One of the things that they did that I really appreciated is they not only have the formal words, but they also have a description that's much more user-friendly. Um, so it talks about, you know, the concepts in less, less technical terms uh, that makes it a lot easier. It's not a hundred percent done. They're still doing some work on it, but there's quite a bit there. Um, and there's even a really cool, tell me your requirements and I'll recommend which, out which uh operator you need to use kind of little tool in there that's fun.
0: Yeah. So the operator decision tree is what that's called. Yep, it. that's a- it. It's pretty awesome. I've I've used yep. it a couple times for to try and find a, a new operator and I've learned quite a bit from just answering the questions and it's it's kind of a wizard format. And it by the time you're done, it spits out the the operator you need. And A lot of times I'm able to do just with one operator what I was going to do with three or four. So it's actually, I would recommend that tool a lot. All right. Well, everybody, thanks for coming to the show. We'll catch you again next time. And Deborah, thanks for being a wonderful guest. Thank you, Deborah. We love you. Oh,
2: love you
3: guys too. Okay. Peace. Bye. Bye. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN.